Having just come back from uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, spending time with Rick Warren, who's a pastor of one of the largest churches in America, and perhaps uh, God is using him in a way of influence that's greater than, than uh, many who've gone before him, let me just say it that way. I was astounded as I spent time with him. I was able to spend some personal time with him, shook his hand, talked to him. We were able to ask him questions. It was in a group of about 40 pastors. And uh, I was overwhelmed, really, at his wisdom, his humility, and what God has brought him through. One of the things that many people don't know about and... uh, I want you to mute online because he doesn't want it broadcasted, so I'm not going to broadcast it. Okay? One of the things that that he is battling with is his son is tremendously challenged with a mental disorder. He wants to kill himself regularly. He's tormented all the time. And to see somebody who's so filled with the grace and the love of God being so powerfully used, yet in his own home, it's like the situation that just mocks God's word and mocks God's power. It's not uncommon. I want you to pray for his son, if you would. You pray for his son that he would be healed and delivered. And literally, he doesn't know that if he'd wake up one day that his son would have taken his old life. It's day to day. And he doesn't broadcast that, and almost nobody knows, because he, doesn't, he wants to protect his dignity. Would you, would, you just, would you just pray for him, Rick Warren's son? You can turn me back on. One of the things Rick Warren has done is they, he's turned the entire leadership of Saddleback Community Church, which is a major mega church, as I said, 60,000 people in, uh, in Anaheim Stadium for Easter, turned the leadership of the church over to their disciples who are 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 years old. They, they are running the whole church. And they've backed out and are like fathers in the thing. And God has raised up this next generation. I was astounded by that. I don't know why. It's just sometimes the model. We just think that, you know, you know, if we can send our kids off to war to get on a radio, to call in an airstrike, to, to, to protect our troops, they come back and they're not even acknowledged as men. They're boys. Reinhard Bunke, who's led 60 million people to Christ in the past 10 years, the video that you saw this morning is also on, on my Facebook there. You can see it on Reinhard Bunke's Facebook. It says 55 million, but five, more, five million more have been added, so it's over 60 million now. The population of the planet has just crossed over 6.9 billion people. There has never been more people on the planet in the history of the planet right now. Reinhard Bunke's raised up and has released a 27-year-old evangelist who's walking in the same anointing that he is. I'm not sure when I'm going to entitle this. I'm not sure all the places that we're going. I'm, 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 I'm falling into my regular flow. This is the default setting for Pastor Daniel. It's kind of a prophetic sort of message that God's given me, and I don't even really have the whole thing. I shared part of it with the youth the other day about Elijah. Elijah and Elisha and the turning, and the turning over. 
I heard that Cindy Jacobs was in town. How many of you were able to attend some of that? And you heard about the tabernacle of David. Did you not? Did you hear about the tabernacle of David? I was encouraged. God's speaking. It's God speaking to his people. We were talking about that at our conference just a week before. My, my, my. First Kings. First Kings 19. Well, what happened here, First Kings 18, let me catch you up before we get to the main text for tonight. First Kings 18, Elijah is on Mount Carmel, verse 16, and God does a great miracle there and releases his fire on the sacrifice. I will tell you, as a side note, that the fire of God will only fall on sacrifice. It will not come. Without sacrifice. And, and you say, well, isn't Jesus enough? Oh, Jesus is enough, but he bids you to come and die. Hello. He calls you to pick up your cross and follow him. And many people want anointing, but they're not willing to die to themselves. They're not willing to put up their own stuff. They're not willing to put the stuff up on the shelf, push themselves away from their own, their own agenda, and begin to really die, give their, all of their heart, all of their mind, all of their soul and strength into worshiping Jesus. And when you do that, you will have fire. The sacrifice of provision only comes when you go up the mountain with the fire and the knife. Abraham went with the sacrifice, which was his son. He went up the mountain with the wood and the knife. It's only God will sometimes call you to take your Isaac and put him on the altar. I'm not saying that God wants you to sacrifice your children. I'm talking about that which is near and dear to you. Your closest thing will sometimes call you to let that go so that he can give it back to you and bring a real resurrection. Elijah here takes on the prophets of Baal. Ahab and Jezebel are at the, at the, at the helm of, of Israel, and, and it's a bad time. He gets a spirit of trash talk here in chapter 18 and begins to say, Hey, where's your God? Is he sleeping? Because Baal couldn't produce anything. And then when it was his turn, he showed up and he had the people bring 12 large jars of water. Do you remember what is happening in this time of Elijah? It's a drought. Where do you get water from? Very costly, very precious to people. They had no water. There was a drought. 12 large jars. Again, fire only falls on sacrifice. The fire of God falls and he cuts all the prophets of Baal to pieces with the sword. Elijah says in verse 41, says to Ahab, go eat and drink for there's a sound of heavy rain. Not just rain, heavy rain. But there had been a drought. By the way, the drought was at his word that he prophesied that the heavens would be shut up and they were shut up for three and a half years. He now declares there's no rain yet, but he says to Ahab, there's the sound of heavy rain. I want to tell you tonight that I hear the sound of heavy rain in the spirit, that God is coming upon a generation. God is coming upon a people who will sacrifice and give their all for him. Who do you stand for? Do you stand for the God of Elijah or are you with the prophets of Baal? Who are you believing? Are you believing the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? Are you trusting in the God of heaven? 
Or are you trusting in chariots and horses? Where do you stand tonight? Elijah prophesies there's going to be rain. And he says, Ahab, go eat and drink. And it says he bent down. Look at the verse 42. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah, you all there? 1 Kings 17, verse 42. Ahab went off to eat and drink. And new, new international version. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. He put it. Now, I can't do that. But it's something like that. Want to see that again? It's something like this. It's a birthing position, if you will. He put his face between his knees and he prayed. God spoke to him, there's going to be rain, but there's no rain yet, and he prayed. That's where we are right now. God wants you to really begin to have veilless worship. God wants you to begin to press in in your homes. God wants you to, when you press in in your home, you have the glory come down in your home. When we come together and we get together, I'm going to tell you, God will rip the roof off this building. We have not seen what he wants to do. I can hear it. I can sense it. I can feel it. We're crossing over the Jordan. It is a new hour. It is a new day. Revival is upon us. If you believe it, if you'll take hold of it and move forward, begin to stir up the gift of the evangelist. Listen, I didn't preach that message just for my good health this morning. I encouraged you and equipped you to really cultivate the evangelist within you. Why? Because God's going to bring hundreds and hundreds of people to Him if you'll be obedient. Can you lose the screen, turn the light off, and turn the lights on the cross for me, please? Would you help me? Puts his face between his knees and he prays. He says, go look towards the sea, he says to his servant. So he went up and looked. Now I think that's fascinating because he prays once and then he tells his servant to go look. Like he didn't know if that, that maybe could have been the prayer that broke it. But he wasn't sure. So he sent his servant to go look, but he wasn't going to come out of his tabernacle. He was going to stay. He was going to stay with his head between his knees until he heard of the, of the report in the natural that rain had come. That which he saw in the spirit, that which he heard in the spirit, he was going to pray until it got birthed in the natural. He stayed in his place of prayer. The servant goes, comes back. No, there's nothing. There's nothing there. He said seven times. Seven is a number of completion. Seven is a number of per- perfection. He prayed through. Everybody say he prayed through. And then the servant reports, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand rising in the sea. Immediately Elijah gets excited. And he runs like Elijah. At the end of that great victory, I'm going to paraphrase now and then we'll look at the main text for tonight. At the end of that great victory, Jezebel sends word that he's going to come and kill Elijah. He's so tired. He's so weary from ministry and from battling that he actually believed what some two-bit hussy was saying after he just took down 700 prophets of Baal. And you can get to a place of weariness. You can get to the place of tired where you don't understand all that God is saying. And you get confused. You have to watch out for that. I'm better at that now than I've ever been before. I used to run myself into the ground and just trust God. 
now the Lord wants me to work really hard, but then take a break, chill, I want to talk to you, recharge. And you know what I've found is that when I do that, I get more done. There's more fruit, there's more release, there's more of the kingdom of God than when I try to just do it in the arm of the flesh and work real hard. I'm all into working real hard, but there comes time where you need to break. Otherwise, you'll be running from Jezebel too and thinks that she's about to get you. The devil has only the power that you give him. His power is in his lie. When we get weary, we get tired, we can start thinking weird. Do you remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist was in prison. And he sent two of his disciples to go ask Jesus if he was the one that, that they had been waiting for. So the two disciples come to Jesus and they say, are you the one? John wants us to ask, are you the one that we were waiting for? Jesus said, tell them the blind see and the lame walk, and the mute speak. And he sends them off and then he, I, he says this encrypted thing. He said, blessed are those who are not offended. And so they run off and they talk to John the Baptist. I can imagine them talking to John the Baptist and they tell him, oh yeah, yeah. Some say that John got weird because he was isolated. He was in prison. The, Proverbs 18, 1, the man who isolates himself rages against all wisdom. Don't get isolated. If you're going through difficulties and you're going through pain, you find somebody that you can yoke up with. You find somebody who can be trusted, a, a godly counsel. I'm going to tell you, it is one of the foolish things to do to hook up with people who will give you counsel that's not godly. You don't need counsel that's not godly. It'll mess you up. Who cares what your aunt thinks if it's not from the Word of God? Who gives a flip what your brother thinks when he's out there getting drunk half the week? You know what I'm talking about? Who cares? Who cares what Oprah says? I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what she says. I don't care how many pros. She started her own religion for the love of God. God help her. I don't know what it's called. O, probably. The church of O. Oh, we are in the last days, baby. I'm telling you right now. So there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And you know, you've got to get it. And if you, if you don't, you can end up making mistakes. John the Baptist sent out his two disciples. They come back. Now, there's two ways to look at this scripture, and I'm going to look at it the second way in context of the message that I'm preaching. We don't really know why John did that. It is a biblical thing to say that John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus, Jesus' cousin, he was there. He's the one that said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was there who said, His shoes latch it, I'm not worthy to untie. He was there when he baptized the Son of God, fully God, fully man baptized him in the Jordan, a voice spoke from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit, like a dove, not a dove, like a dove, came and alighted on him. He was there. He's the baptizer, John the Baptist. Now he's in prison? Did people go to see a reed? No. Did they go to see a man? No. Did they go to see a prophet? Yes. But more than a prophet, one who had the spirit of the, came in the spirit of the power of Elijah. Amazing. Some theologians will tell you that the reason that John the Baptist sent two disciples was because he was isolated, he was in prison, and he began to think weird. Is that biblical? It is absolutely biblical. Proverbs 18.1, I just quoted it. But I think something different was happening, and I've shared this revelation here before, and it is a revelation. I believe that John the Baptist was taking his disciples and decreasing and turning them over to Jesus. I believe John the Baptist 
It's the prophetic and the apostolic. I believe he was yielding. His time was done. The forerunner was done. And he was going to take his ministry. Now you've got to know something. John the Baptist had a massive ministry. Huge. And he didn't do any of the things you think you should do in ministry. He didn't wear the cool clothes. He didn't have this stuff. He didn't have nice cologne. He didn't have any of that. He wore camel hair. And his diet would really offend many in the congregation today. He ate locusts and honey. Church growth people would tell him, hey, you, you need to change your clothes. Do you know that that happens? Do you know that there's... Tra- I'm wearing whatever I feel like I want to wear. I'm just telling you. Church growth people will come and say, John, <laughs> love you, brother, but we need to work on your image. You need to lose the hair coat. You need to, you just need to eat some sushi or something. Quit the, quit the locusts and stuff. And listen, we, we, you were so anointed. Brother, you were so anointed. We need to get you out of the wilderness and move you into a population center where you can really minister. So you need to go to Jerusalem, John. John was obeying God. So now he's in prison. I believe there was a turnover. He was turning his disciples over to Jesus. And Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended. Why? Because Jesus was not going to save him. He was going to have his head cut off. It says in, in the book of Acts, and I can't remember what chapter, that David served his purpose in the earth and died. You and I have a purpose to serve. And frankly, if it's to preach in the wilderness, wear a hair coat, eat locusts, and go get your head cut off at Howard's house, so be it. Because you don't want to do anything that you're not supposed to do. You see, there's, there's callings, there's anointings, there's giftings, there's talents. And not everybody has an anointing to be like a Rick Warren. Listen, if you could catch this, it will help you. Some of my younger disciple guys, I mean older people too, and all you middle-aged and younger folks. I used to strive and I just hoped that I could be like some certain preacher. So I don't have to be like any other preacher. I don't have to be like Dr. Morocco. I love him. He's my spiritual father. I ain't ever going to be like him. I'm like me. And you know something? God anoints me in my own way. Come on, you've got to function in your own unction. And if you don't, you won't see the flow of the power of God. And then you won't be in a place where you need to be to see God bring about his fruitfulness in the earth. Come on, you're not supposed to be T.D. Jakes. You ain't black. You can't preach like him either. I used to dream, oh God, maybe like, I wanted to be like that guy. Have somebody wiping my head and stuff. John had a purpose. It's to be a forerunner for Jesus. Back to our text. Elijah is freaked out by Jezebel and runs to Mount Horeb. And there's a whole story there and a million messages. Mount Horeb was the mountain of God, the very same mountain that Moses was on when he got the Ten Commandments. It was the mountain of God. And he goes in the cleft of the rock, and it's in the cleft of the rock that God begins to speak to him. Look at, look at chapter 19. 
The Lord says to him after he's complained and says, I'm basically the last one left. Anybody ever felt like that? The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord is about to pass by. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like Moses. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not on the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not on the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not on the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altar. Sounds like America. And put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Where's my violin? The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Hazel, the king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Saphat, to succeed you as prophet. So he goes out, and I will, I will just say for a little sidebar bonus, little rabbit trail, mini message, when you find yourself in despair, you find yourself in a cave, and you don't know how you're going to survive, get a jar of oil and get out of your cave and start dumping on people. Start anointing people. Start getting people saved. Break, break your myopic view of your own self and, and it, break out. Sometimes you've got to break out. Come on, I'm preaching better than your amen. And sometimes I'm going to tell you when you're in a cave and you're feeling oppressed, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling like you're the last one, and there ain't no hope. Step up, take a horn of oil, and charge hell. Go pray for the sick. Use Walmart as your, as your pulpit. Do crazy stuff. Break out. Why sit there till you die? As the lepers did outside the wall. So he goes. Now watch this. And I believe that this is where we're at really in this generation. There's, there's a turnover. Go anoint Hazel as king. Go anoint Jehu who's going to go wipe out Jezebel. I was going to put Jehu on my license plate. I still might one of these days. Jehu. Because it said that Jehu drove crazy, so I thought that sort of worked. How many of you know that text? Except it didn't end too good with Jehu, so that's why I wasn't going to do it. Look at verse 19. So Elijah went out from there and found Elisha, the son of Naphat. Saphat, pardon me. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. To have 12 yoke of oxen is a very large and prosperous number. Twelve is a number of government. Now, I believe this, and I'm going to go ahead and prophesy that God is touching government officials all over the land. He's got his little coonies. He's got his, his 
You know, the Clunians, it's like a, it's like a lizard. He's, he's, he, they're everywhere. They're in king's houses. They're everywhere. He's got his people all up in little places, speaking the word of the Lord, prophesying over them, bringing the kingdom in places where we don't know anything about. I believe that God is touching that, that, that touching government. Elisha was a prosperous man from a prosperous home. And he was plowing. He was working. He himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, prophets would wear, I've illustrated this before, but prophets would wear these cloaks. It was a prophet cloak. I mean, that's one of the reasons you knew they were the prophet. He had a cloak on him. And he would, he's wearing it. Here comes prophet guy. And you know, he's just walking by. And there's Elijah. Elisha. So Elisha's walking by and he just throws it. He just hit him with his mantle, with his coat. Doesn't say anything. Just throws it at him. And look at the response. Look what happens. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him, and Elisha left him and his oxen and ran after Elijah. He said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He said, and I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? I want to say that when God really hits you, when you really get something from God, you don't have to twist somebody's arm to come get discipled when they really get touched by God. You don't have to chase them down, hunt them down, visit them 15 times, try to convince them to come to church. You don't have to come behind them to try to, oh, he's really good. Ah, ah. You don't have to do that. I think God's about to throw some stuff around here that's going to cause people to really get hungry for God. Come on, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You don't, whether I was pastoring or not, I was in every service, every night of every week that I could be. I was in light. Why? I, oh, he had threw something on me that I couldn't shake off. God touched me with something I've looked for all my life. And I realized, man, he's got what I'm looking for. You say, well, that's because you were called to be a pastor. Listen, I know business people like that. I'm just saying that when God throws something on you and you're in a place where you can receive it, there comes a great shift. And He'll shift your life of where you're at and move you into another place. And nobody has to convince you to get discipled or lift your hands or dance before the Lord. I'm telling you, that's the truth. Can you say amen? So this he's a young man, really. He goes back and you know, Elijah says, what do they do to you? Verse 21, Elisha left him, went back, took the yoke of oxen, and slaughtered them. (laughs) That's a big offering. Does anybody know how much a big bull would cost? I think it's, 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 it's a couple thousand dollars. Right? Twelve. Twelve of them. Slaughters them all. See, what is that all about? He wasn't going to go back to being a farmer anymore. For you note takers, here you go. Make a couple points and I'm going to close tonight. There is an, an Elijah and an Elisha in this hour. And there's a passing of mantles. There's a releasing of the power of God to this next generation. But it's not just going to happen. It's going to happen for those who are doing something already. He wasn't, he wasn't playing PlayStation 3 until his eyes fell out of his head. 
He wasn't all hooked up on, 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 on media stuff. He was just going out of his mind. I'm talking about entertainment media. Rotting his brain. Is this okay? You all right? Now, God's using people to use media to touch the nations. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with making movies and using media and graphics and all of that to touch people for God. People are doing it. It's tremendous. It's a great calling. But I'm talking about just rotting yourself, just doing nothing. God's not, God, God's not going to call lazy people. Any, any desire, I mean, He calls them, but generally speaking, those who really begin to do something for God already were doing something. Go look at all the disciples. You might have been ripping people off as a tax collector, but they were still doing something. They were working. Right? Listen, I've known some drug dealers that were, they were tremendous, they had tremendous businesses. Yeah, for the devil, right? Yeah, but when they got saved, man, all of that got redeemed and they moved it towards God and they raised up disciples just like they were raising up their little pushers. I'm serious. God redeemed that thing and they become raising up people and releasing them. God ain't, God ain't. Very rarely take somebody who's lazy and moves them into a place of influence. Okay, well, let's just say law for a second. Okay. For all you note takers, here you go. You want to move into this next thing. Now, I, I'm going to tell you where I see myself. I see myself as the older guy, but I also see myself as a younger guy. I'm taking both. I'm going to pass it on and I'm going to get what, what the Lord wants to give me. That's just the way I am. Ah, I'm going to play both sides of the fence. I'm Elijah and Elijah. Ah! Commit yourself to the new. Everybody say it. Commit yourself to the new. God's got a new life. God's got a new thing. God's got a new anointing. God's got a river for you to cross on over. God's got a new place for you to go. You must commit to it. Some of you need to chop up your ox and burn it and have a party. Close the door to your old plans. Close the door to your old life. Close the door to the things that you're thinking about. Back door. Some of you got like plan B. I don't have a plan B. We don't believe in plan B. We plan A. If it falls, guess he's going to raise it up or something because we don't have another plan. Commit yourself to the new. Don't let your past, watch this, don't let your past define your future. You see, his name got changed to the servant of Elijah, the hand washer of Elijah. When Elijah's gone, later, a king calls for the prophet, and he says, Where is the, where's that hand washer guy? And he gets called up to minister in the courts of the political halls. You've got to commit yourself to the new. And don't let your past define you. I don't care where you've come from. And God doesn't care where I came from. It's part of my testimony. I'm a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. I've been washed. I've been redeemed. I've been covered in the blood of the Lamb. Though my sins be as scarlet, He's made them white as He's made my life as white as wool. He's cleansed me. He's taken my sins and thrown as far as east is from the west. He's redeemed me. He's written my name in the Lamb's book of life. I'm His son. I'm His heir. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm not that old guy. I could bring you to the place where we buried Him. He's not alive anymore. Has anybody given their heart to Jesus? Then you're a new creature in Christ. You don't define yourself. 
you're an alcoholic? That's the old guy. The old guy's an alcoholic. You're a new creature. Don't drink anymore. Ever. Again. Don't let your past define your future. All the stuff that you've gone through. He goes back and he honors his father and mother. I love that section of scripture. He goes back and he kisses his father and mother. He honors his father and mother. Look, you might have you might have had Jekyll and Hyde for mom and dad. I don't know. But you need to honor them. How can I do that? Well, honoring sometimes is forgiving them. And you're going to have to forgive. You've got to forgive them. Some of you need to send flowers to your mom and dad just to tell them that you love them. I don't want to do that. Well, then you're going to stay in a place of bustedness, brokenness. Not the kind of brokenness that God blesses either. The kind of brokenness that doesn't go anywhere. The kind of brokenness that releases cancer in your life. You can't, listen, honor your father and mother have a long life. Dis, dis mom and dad have a short one. You see, what the Bible says is honor them, have a long life. Don't honor them, have a short one. You say, how do I honor them? They abused me. You don't understand the things that they did to me, pastor. No, I don't know what they did to you. But you can forgive them. Why? You don't understand. I'm never going to forgive them. And you don't understand the cross, and neither is your sin forgiven either. You must forgive them. They, Jesus died on the cross. Do we have lights working? He died on the cross for your sin. He died on the cross for that thing that took place in your house that nobody wants to talk about. There are secrets inside of homes that are destroying people. You need to speak. You need to let it out. You need to forgive. You need to get healed. You need to get over it. But you can't get over it until it gets under the blood. I've met people that say, well, I don't want to talk about my, I don't want to talk about my past. It's under the blood. I can tell you right now from their facial contortions, it's not. Your future is more important than your past, so let it go. I might preach right now. When the Spanish showed up, they burned their ships because there was no going home. This is what he did. He had this mantle thrown on him. He went back. And he butchered his vehicle for making money. He butchered his employment. I mean, he just, he didn't have a job anymore. Could have sold all of that, made lots of money. No, he butchered it and threw a giant going into the ministry party. And he burned the, the farming implements. Some of you need to set your, fire, your past on fire. The Spanish would burn their ships and they would say, well... Here we are. I guess we're going to conquer now. Because there's no going home. What are you going to go home with? Are you going to swim across the Atlantic? Close the back door. Set it on fire. Move into your new life. Be committed wholly with all that you are. Commit yourself to serve. Greatness comes through service. That's a good tweet. A tweet is what you put on Twitter. Greatness comes through service. If you're not serving, I'm telling you now, you're messed up. You say, well, I've been wounded from serving. I know. I have too. And I I sometimes hate saying, get over it. You know, it preaches good. But the truth is, get over it. All right. The truth is, sometimes you've got to work it through. And... And in my life, I would choose. In my life, I would choose to be with people that were that were not healthy. 
I don't do that anymore. If they're not healthy, I don't have them all close to me and my wife and my family. I don't do that. Why? Because I'm not into getting backstabbed. I, the Lord's not into breaking my heart. The Lord wants to bless me. The Lord wants to, the Lord wants to protect me and, and keep me safe and bless me. And when I bring people who's a bucket mouth or I bring somebody who can't control themselves or I bring somebody into my life that's like that and bring them real close, well, all their barf gets all over me in my life. I'm not into that. Now, there is a principle of cleaning fish and helping them, but that it's at a distance. Not everybody was all at, at the raising of the, of the little girl, the 12-year-old that got raised from the dead. Peter, James, and John on Mount Transfiguration. Not all the disciples, not everybody's supposed to be close. Greatness comes through service. And when you serve, watch this now. A corresponding anointing will come upon you to do it. What God is doing in this hour, and I'm going to close. Micah, would you come please? What God is doing in this hour is he's taking an Elijah generation and he's teaching them to raise up Elijah's. And there are the, 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 the fire. Did you mess with me? Because I'll mess with you. You mess with me? What was I saying? God is, God is doing both. I'm going to tie it back in to say this. We're in that place where the, the generation of Moses, if you will, and the generation of David, the, 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 the priestly sacrifices are still taking place without the fire, but there's a tabernacle of David. It's the same thing. It's a multi-generational anointing that's coming together. It's, it's, he said, well, we need the new wine skin. We need the old one too. You need to honor your father and mother. You need, we need to honor what God has done in the past so that we can move forward in life into this next thing. Set your past on fire. Be hungry for more. Greatness comes through service. He served the prophet. Some people just want to be like, I want to be the prophet. I'm the prophet. Man, you didn't even wash any hands yet. God's raising up a new breed. God's raising up a brand new breed of disciple. One that know him. Not afraid to get their hands dirty. Not afraid to serve. When you serve, there will come a fresh anointing upon your life. Some people just want the pulpit, want the deal, want to do, do the thing, want to move to become the CEO, but they never did any of the other stuff. I'm going to tell you something. If you get in a position, watch this now. You get handed something that you didn't serve, serve and sow into, you will blow up. You won't make it. And your anointing can't ever out, outweigh the, your character. God's into building character. And if you've been delayed, or you're still with the 12 yoke of oxen, then God's getting ready to throw something on you. He's raising up a new breed. 
He's raising up a new breed. He's raising up a new breed. He's raising up a new breed. Yes, he is. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you what I'm looking for. Now, you don't usually say this from the pulpit, but I don't really care. I'm looking to pour into somebody because God help me if I'm the only one that preaches in this place. We got something wrong. If I'm the only one that can come with an anointing and some fire, we got some problems. Don't come ringing me off the hook saying, I'm the one. I'm a preach next week. No, you're not. Get to the toilets. Get working. Get serving. And some of you, some of you are diligently doing that. Not everybody's called to preach. I'm not saying it's about preaching. But I, we're looking to pour into some people. I'm 44. I am not going to be the only preacher up in this place bringing the fire. If that's the case, I have absolutely failed. I want to pass the baton to some people. You understand what I'm saying? I want to release some people in ministry. That's what God's called me to do. That's what God's anointed me to just push people into their destiny. Every place we've ever been, that's happened. You thank God for Tim. God, I wish I could have been there for that. I want to slap the guy that didn't record it. It wasn't recorded. Jesus help me. I think one of them is. I love you. How come that didn't happen? Because we need more people helping with sound ministry. Don't go pointing the fingers. Get involved. Thank God for Tim Campbell. I want to say this as, as your, his brothers are here, and I want to say this to, to you, Mom. Your whole family's called to ministry. And boys, you might not know it yet, but I'm telling you now, you are called to ministry. And you really won't be satisfied with anything but being fully on fire, flowing in the gifts of God. And you can run, but you can't hide. And I don't know if you're running. I'm not saying that. I don't know where you're at. We'll just believe you're totally on fire. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're called to ministry. So is your father. There's a prophetic mantle upon your father. He's a prophetic destiny. There's a prophetic destiny. In fact, I'm going to prophesy to him right now. He can watch it later. You tell him, pull it up on Ustream. Jose. Jose, you have a calling from God. And even as you've worked in heating and furnaces, it's a prophetic picture of the fire and the furnace that's on the inside of you. And brother, I'm telling you now that you are going to preach again. You are going to prophesy again because God has called you. And you're going to take missionary journeys and trips. My hand is upon you, says the Lord. And I'm going to cause a great turning, a great shifting, a great release of the fire of God. Even in your quiet time with me, says the Lord. You know me. And I'm speaking to you. I'm calling you forth. You've sensed it. You remember You remember the time. Tune in on me here. You remember the time when you prophesied and when you spoke and you felt my fire. When people were touched and people were saved. You remember that. And sure, there were things that weren't all the way in order. But the Lord is now calling you again to prophesy and to preach. The Lord is now calling you again back to a place of the Levitic ministry. God is calling you again back to a place of worship. Such as you've been in the past, but it's going to be a new dimension. There's a new anointing upon you. And as you go, so will go your sons. And there will come a great fire of revival upon the Capo clan, says the Lord. Amen. Come on, somebody shout to God. Stand up on your feet. Come on, stand up on your feet. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. Wow.
Come on, lift your hands to heaven. If you feel like you're a part of this next generation, I don't care if you're 75 years old. Age has nothing to do with it. You feel like you're called to be a part of this next thing, this baton passing. Maybe you're a father in it. Maybe you're a son in it. Maybe you're a daughter. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. Just find yourself in it. Set your past on fire. Burn it up. But just talk to God right now. Come on, talk to him. Tell him, yep, I'm in. I'm going to go kiss my mom and dad. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm pushing my chips to the middle of the table. I'm saying, yes, I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to turn back. Oh, my gate is set. My gaze is fixed. I'm going into a new place with God. I'm going to be used of Lord. I'm going to be used in revival. It could be business. It could be ministry. It doesn't matter what it is. It all works together. Talk to Jesus. If you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost, just do it right now. I'm going to do some prophetic thing here. Here's what I want to do. You're 50 and over. 50 and over, step all the way up to the curb. No, no, just just right on the floor. Right on the floor. You guys are like ready to go. I'm ready. Okay, 50 and over. Here, slide down a little bit. Get, Get right on the floor right there. That means... They're going to be okay, guys. That, that means that you are under 50. Correct? Here's what I want to do. Now, let me coach you. You're going to pray for this next generation. Don't shift their head like a four-speed, all right? Don't push. Gentle. 
gentle, watch, gentle, gentle. <laughs> I have to watch out for you. <laughs> gentle, just come here, Wade. Here's gentle, G- gentle, all right? Gentle. Don't, be sh- don't do what I do sometimes, okay? Don't do that, all right? Now, prophetically, I just believe that there's going to come a release into this next generation. You ready? And I believe you'll get yours too at the same time. You ready? Father, let, Lord, a great release of your power and your anointing come in a multi-generational outpouring. Come, Lord, in a, in a tabernacle of David. Come, oh God, release your power now, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go pray for those who are behind you. Go gently. Go, go lay hands on them. On their head or their shoulder. Don't, don't touch their bellies or anything like that. Nice and gentle. Touch them right now. Never going back. 
Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody shout to God. Just rejoice right now. Praise the Lord. Trent, the Lord says this to you and your wife. I am rearranging so much within you. There's some things that are coming, a rearranging in the natural, but I'm rearranging your mental furniture. Whatever that is. I'm rearranging some things. And when I'm done, there's going to flow oil and fire and wine and rain through you to my people such as you've never known. You are not going to be recognizable by those who once knew you back in Florida. I say that right? I'm doing a makeover on the both of you that is, it's going to be staggering. It already is, but the full release is yet to come. You are a servant. And I just agree tonight, I agree tonight right now, for your power and your fire and the calling of God to come upon them and their children. I pray now, God, that you would break every hindrance, remove every obstacle and roadblock, and bring this family, this family, this family into ministry as you see fit. Thank you for this fine couple that you brought. Anoint them afresh, right? Jesus. Fresh anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Never going back, no. Praise the Lord. If you're not right with God all across this place and those by podcast or those listening over the web stream and you want to give your heart to Jesus, maybe you're here in the congregation, you want to give your heart to the Lord afresh or make a recommitment, just pray this right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place and rising again from the grave. Come into my life and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Give me a fresh anointing to serve you. And I would never go back. And always move forward. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for washing me. Thank you for calling me. Okay, I think everybody's been prayed for like eight times. That's good. Praise the Lord.
Take someone by the hand tonight. Take someone by the hand. Yeah, I'll take a water. Yeah, that helped me out right now. Yeah. Take someone by the hand. Close your eyes. I want to see something real quick. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. If you're called to full-time ministry and you know it, let go of that person's hand. Let go of their 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 hand. Okay, we're done praying. Moved on to something else. Y'all need to listen. If I'm going to release you to pray, you got to listen. All right? All right. There's the Holy Ghost doing something different right now. Close your eyes. If you know you're called to full-time ministry, unashamed, ushers, close your eyes. We don't need any ushers. You're released. You know you're called to full-time ministry. You know that you are. Raise your hand now. Wow, look at that. One, two, three, four. I'm, I'm taking notes, man. You know that you are. Raise your hand. Keep your hand up. I saw a hand that went up. Went down. There it is. Amen. Chanel, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Micah, come on. Somebody say hallelujah. Take someone by the hand. How do I get started? Get started in something. Plug in. Get into the realities classes. Get here early. Start praying. Come to church faithfully. Get plugged in. Get serving. Help. Help clean. Help do anything. We need help. Get involved. Help with you. Help with children. Got a whole new children's program coming up. Pastor Karen's going to be helping with that. And, and Leila, of course, and the different team. And then we're going to need children's workers. Get plugged in. You called a full-time ministry? Start now. I ordain you now. Start now. Right now. Right? Start. Amen? Father, thank you for what you've done online, offline. What you'll do even later through this message. Holy Spirit, bless your people. Fill them full of the, your... Fill them full of heaven. And as we go out, Lord, this week, that we would see a great release of your fire and your anointing. Stir up the gift of the evangelist, I pray. Even as we preach this morning, stir up the gift of the evangelist, I pray that, that next week, the church would double in a week, God, that we, you could do that. Lord, cause that to happen, God, I pray, in the name of Jesus, and enable us to have a net by which we can catch them and see them discipled. Bless your people, cause your face to shine upon them, lift up your countenance towards them, be gracious to them, keep them, and give them peace. Bless you. Praise God. Oh. We have communion. If you want to go, you can go. If you want to receive communion, ushers, would you just come to the front? Micah, would you just keep playing? If you want to receive communion, ushers, come right to the front with that. Sorry, fellas. Sorry, guys. If you want to slide out, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Service is formally over. I'm going to take communion with my family. It's a good thing. If you want to take communion, just come. They're coming right now. Come all the way up front, fellas. Hey, no grabbing at that before it gets up here. Come on. Okay, come on, step right here. If you want to receive communion tonight, just make a...